Imagine knowing exactly what your students are learning and exactly which steps you need to take next. Join us in Down With The Reading Quiz to craft meaningful and productive formative assessments that move away from gotcha moments of basic recall and toward assessing what your students actually can do. In this 30-minute free masterclass, we'll share three powerful assessment keys that work for any novel at any time of the year. Head to shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to sign up, and we'll also send you a free workbook to keep track of all your notes. Once again, that's shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to nail formative assessments forever. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Marie. What are you up to later? Want to join me for happy hour? I'm all in. And guess what's amazing? Our listeners and friends of the podcast can also join us because Brave New Teaching Happy Hour has officially launched. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. We are officially hanging out a little bit longer after school with an extended extra private podcast feed just for you. Yes. Members of Happy Hour get extra 15 minutes of the podcast, give or take, because you know us, we run a little bit long. It's just kind of how we are. But if you would like to get in on this Happy Hour action, please join us. It is only $5 a month. Head to curriculumrehab.com slash happy hour and get yourself signed up because when you're there, Amanda, tell our friends what we do every month for our Happy Hour members. I think my favorite part is coming up with a new free resource for our listeners every month. And then we pretty much break down that resource and how to use it. We also like to have guests on to do extended episodes and even Q&A that's just for you about that resource. It's really exclusive and super private just for you. So if you are like us and you like hanging out, you like chit-chatting about all things that are teaching, teacher life, and everything under that umbrella, join us for happy hour and we will see you there. Bye. Bye. Well, hello and welcome back to Brave New Teaching. Today, friends, Amanda and I are here to start a new series for you. Hi, Amanda. Hey, Marie. How's it going? Oh, pretty good. How are you? Oh, my word. So excited to talk about this topic because I think we both have some very raw experiences on all areas of the spectrum. Absolutely. So if you did not already get from our title of today's episode, we are going to start talking about collaboration, collaboration in a classroom, collaboration with a collegial team, collaboration in schools and what that looks like and what it can look like and when it works well and when it works poorly. And we decided that since we talk so much about like finding your zone of genius and right. And like leaning on each other's expertise. Let's talk about what that really looks like to lean on each other and to allow others to lean on you in a professional setting. And we are pretty pumped to talk about that for the next few episodes. But, and we're also here to kind of break down this idea of close your door and just teach. Because I think a lot of you who listen have gotten that advice or maybe even given that advice at some point because collaboration doesn't always work or your school's not always set up to facilitate that. So we kind of want to work back and forth between this idea of what do I do on my own? What do I do with a team? And how do I find this kind of happy medium? And what would what looks good for my career moving forward? Yeah. And what like looks good for my everyday, like what looks good for my enjoyment of this career that is like we've talked about many times on the podcast. It's very draining. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's exhausting being in education and especially being like a classroom teacher and giving so much of yourself 
to kids because kids don't always get it. And that's not really what we're there for. It's not for the praise. It's certainly not for the money. Like it's, it's, it's for other things that fulfill you. But then at the same time, like in that we should be doing whatever we can to make our own enjoyment of this career possible and to deter the things that will really like take away some of that joy. And, and as much as we feel like your colleagues, sometimes we are quite far from your reality, unfortunately. And, you know, podcasting is a really fun way to jumpstart that experience. But at the end of the day, um, we really want this episode to be something that you can share directly with your team, your department, and use it as a place to kind of diagnose where you're at and make a plan for where you want to be. Uh, Because ultimately, this is your team, your school, your colleagues, and we want to help facilitate and at least jumpstart that conversation for you because that's what Marie and I are here for. We're here to be the bad guys or the good guys, depending on the situation. Well, just uh, really to like start the awkward conversation and it doesn't have to be an awkward conversation, but there is something because we give so much of ourselves to what we do every day because it does take so much And so much of our identities are wrapped up in our jobs and our jobs are wrapped up in our identities often, not always, but often in education. That's what you find. Um, It can feel personally scary, I guess, to start conversations around things like collaboration, around things like changing the way you've always done things, right? Or evolving and modernizing and whatever you want to call it. These can be hard conversations to have. And so Amanda and I are here to share our experience, share our perspective, but also in doing so to help you start the conversation in a way that's non-threatening, in a way that's like, here here you go, let us start it for you because we're neither here nor there. (laughs) I think it's time. Yes. You know what? Cue the music. You're listening to Brave New Teaching, and we are so much more than a podcast. We give teachers the inspiration, support, and tools to challenge the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a former English teacher from Illinois. And I'm Marie, and I'm a teacher from Southern California. Join us at bravenewteaching.com to find out more about our courses, festivals, and get every episode's show notes. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. Okay, I am excited to talk about all things collaboration, but I think for today's episode, we need to really define what we're talking about. What we are talking about is not co-teaching necessarily. It's not two adults in the room. I mean, it can be, but what we're really talking about is like a step above that or a step before that. It's about the team. It's about the grade level team. It's about the professional learning community, the PLC. It's about the teaching and learning collaborative community team aspect. Help me because I'm just saying the same words to define themselves. I think because because our series, we're trying to look at collaboration in a bunch of different lenses. I think what we're focusing on today are the English teaching experts at the helm. So like when I talk about like my co-teachers, like they're the learning, right? Experience experts and I'm the content expert. So the content experts that get together and plan curriculum for students in ELA or in whatever subject area you are here, um, you know, is your background. I think that's what's really important to talk about today is those people making curricular decisions for students based on content. Yes. Absolutely. And we have quite a bit of experience in these ways. And so we want to talk about 
how we've seen it work. We want to talk about how we've seen it work. Well, how we've seen it work well, how we've seen it work poorly, and then kind of some of our ideal situations uh, moving forward so that some of you can even weigh like, oh yeah, I guess that does work well. Or, oh, you know what? We could totally make that shift. Yeah. I'll talk my, to my team about that tomorrow or today or whatever. Yeah. So Amanda, how have you seen a PLC or a curricular team, grade level team, whatever you want to call it, how have you seen that work well, whether you're part of it or not? (laughs) So I've seen it work well when the team is exhibiting consistent flexibility, Mm -hmm. that they're really good listeners to one another. And I think that part of that comes from a really difficult balance of camaraderie and investment in the job. Not all teachers have the same level of investment in the job. I'm just going to put that out there. Uh, I'm not here to blame anybody or, or call names or. (laughs) It's, it's, it's philosophical differences. It's It's sometimes like, and by generation, I mean, when you got into the game generation of like, when you joined the profession divide, it's a lot of things. No, there's no judgment to be placed because you're not a better person for being wickedly dedicated for your job and you're not a bad person, right? Like, but it does affect the dynamic of a group though. It so can, I think that yes. That, right. I think that there's usually a, a good healthy amount of balance between personalities and really a mindset that we're here to build one another up, support each other. And my best experience I can tell you was, I don't know, I think it was like six or seven, like, like that six, seven, eight was like a sweet spot for me. And my team at that point, we had heard either it was someone speak or maybe it was even our boss because our boss was incredible. But someone told us, we want you to go to your PLC meeting and talk about our students. Stop using my students and start using our students. And mm. we, we maybe took that a little too literally at a few points. Um, but really, like we were doing, um, we were grading together. We would do like grading parties after school. We would do like an hour and a half, bring snacks. And seriously, we just sit at the same table and not talk and set a timer and grade together. Um, even sometimes we would swap papers and we'd be grading essays from kids in other classes. That's smart we felt that strongly about the way we were approaching what we were doing. And at one point we even had a a college and career section of our curriculum. This was with 10th grade and we did a a class swap. And so for like three days we rotated our, it was a logistical nightmare, but yeah, the party planner in me was like, Oh, give me this puzzle. And I, (laughs) I figured it out. That's Um, super fun. It was so fun. We went and we presented to each other's, our students, about our college story. Um, so many of our students were came from families whose parents did not go to college. They were first generation um, in a lot of ways. And so we just went and shared our story. And it was really cool because all of us had very different experiences. Some of us mm-hmm. had a traditional four-year. Some had a community college. Some people joined the workforce and then came to teaching. So it was, or, or then went to college, excuse me. So it was very empowering. I do feel like it was a unicorn experience what I'm describing because I, I haven't found it since. So, you know, our team got broken up and that was kind of hard to recover from. And then I left and, you know, all kinds of things. But that has been really my best experience in a PLC. How long did you guys have that experience? How many years? Like four years. Oh, that's least. pretty good. It's that's a good long. run. Yeah. Yeah. 
if not longer. Yeah. And then, you know, it was admin turnover and different changes and people moved and, you know, but it was, it was awesome. We really were a very balanced group and we were socially like aligned to like, we had fun together. And that's, and that leads into what I think is what makes it tick. Like you were talking about a balance of personalities, which I think, I mean, in an ideal world, absolutely. There's going to be a balance of personalities, a balance of just like energy, but like, you don't always get to pick it. I mean, most often you don't get to pick it. So like, that's what you're saying about the unicorn, but there are ways if every member of the team, whether it's two or seven people, like it doesn't matter if every member of the team approaches it with a, I'm going to do what I can to help balance the energy. Like if it's an intentional approach to being a part of a team, and I need everybody listening to know that I am not always amazing at this. I am often, I can take the air out of a room. I know this about myself, working on it. But the ways I have seen it work well and when I've been a part of when it works really, really well, because I have been a part of amazing, I am a part of amazing teams. Um, right now I'm kind of like solo act in a few different ways because I'm teaching courses that like nobody else teaches which is its own bag of tricks there, right? But the way that it can really, really work is when the members of the group come in going, I'm going to contribute as best I can to this and I'm going to listen 50% more than I contribute. Yes. Like, and and then it really doesn't matter what, I mean, yes, it matters what you do, but it really doesn't matter what you do if the intention is I'm going to be as positively and productively contributing as I can and I'm going to listen at least 50% more than I contribute, then you're going to make good things happen. And the team is going to be able to move well. And that's actually something that we'll probably talk about more later on in this series. But like collaboration skills, when we expect our students to collaborate with group members, we have to explicitly teach some of this stuff. And when we work together in teams, you have to explicitly like just air it out. Like these are our meeting norms. This is how we're going to be. This is what's going to work. And if something comes up, here's how we're going to deal with it. And it seems like we shouldn't quote unquote have to articulate those sorts of meeting norms and group work norms, but that's what makes it work well. When things work well is when you articulate, this is what it's going to be. Obviously you've got your unicorn situations, but nine times out of 10, that's when it's going to work well. Well, and I, and I can take away from that experience some of some go-to strategies, if you will. Totally. You know, if you're if you're kind of in the weeds right now and not sure how to rescue your PLCs or your team meetings, I'd say one thing, and this is exactly what you're saying, Marie, is to very clearly name your goals. What is the goal of this group? Because depending on that answer, I mean, that's going to shift again, like the energy in the room and the reason that you're there. And if you don't know your goal, and if you're just being told meet with your PLC, um, I can tell you right now that one of the best things to strive for is not like, and Maria and I talked about this before, it's not straight jacket uniformity in your curriculum, but there are massive, massive benefits to working toward alignment. And maybe you're aligning your essential questions. Maybe you're aligning your summative assessments. Maybe you're just aligning a vocab list that you're all going to work on. But having and reaching for pieces of your curriculum that you are in alignment with, that's what starts to make 
the teamwork part so powerful because Mm -hmm. you can bounce ideas off of each other. You're working towards similar goals with your students. And if that's ambiguous, that might be why people are feeling like this meeting is pointless. Maybe your department chair or the whoever's or even above that person has given you a random task for every meeting. I mean, those are things to really think about in talking to people who are above you and saying, listen, we need cohesive, consistent goals that make sense to us. You know, we'd like to be part of deciding what our meetings are about. That'll really, really help. And in turn, I think keeping meeting notes and and meeting agendas. I think having written records of what our meeting is working toward, what we're trying to do here. Um, And that also helps keep people involved. If If the team lead can send out an email the day before or the morning of and say, hey, here's what's on the agenda, people show up knowing what the goal of the meeting is. And hopefully that that's gonna move the needle one step closer to the bigger goal. Um, which would be whatever you're trying to work on in alignment with either yourselves horizontally or other teams vertically. Yeah. When I've seen it and when I've been a part of it, when it's worked really, really well is to your point, when we've had not just a goal, but like an overarching and then small, almost like project-based goals where it's like, okay, this is the big thing that we want to get to. And so let's see where we can even start. And then from there, where does that get smaller and smaller and smaller so that they're tangible little pieces that are then shared, like you're saying, meeting notes, resources, all of those things will sh- are shared with everybody. And Google like suite makes it so easy to do that so that it's like living documents and everybody's able to be part of it and contribute. And it's important to, you know, I think to your point that you made earlier is the listening and respecting everybody in the room. I can talk as a vet in the room and a newbie in the room. And it's really hard to be brand new to a team, whether you're new to the school or not. Walking onto a team that's been established for a long time is incredibly intimidating. Oh, yeah. It's it's very easy to keep chugging along, not necessarily ignoring that person, but kind of just putting up this, you know, oh, yeah, we've tried that. No, we've already tried that. You know, when people make suggestions, they're being vulnerable. And I've caught myself a number of times saying, you know, dismissing it and genuinely like we had actually tried that thing, but that wasn't the point. So I think that was also something I learned that could make a team so much more cohesive is in that listening, validating ideas, whether or not you've tried them, because even if you had, what's wrong with trying it again with, well, yeah, you haven't tried it with these kids, right? Like if you tried it a year ago, it's different kids now. I, cause I do the same thing. I'm like, yes. So that's not gonna, and, and then I have to stop myself and be like, well, Maybe I should try it again. Maybe I, like just for like the sake of efficiency doesn't necessarily mean that an, a, that an idea that we already tried before isn't worth retrying. That is hard. That is hard when everything's on a time crunch, but it's also the way that you build a relationship quickly with like professional trust. And there's nothing wrong with saying to that person, Hey, you know what? let's pilot this. Why don't you pilot this with one of your sections? We're going to try this other thing, report back to us and let us know how the pilot goes. Yeah. Let's, let's compare notes. Yeah. Yes. I think that's such a rewarding, not rewarding, but like a affirming Uh way to encourage, especially new teachers. Well, Hey there, brave new teachers. I'm Betsy Potash from spark creativity. And I'm so excited to tell you that I'm now opening the doors to my free summer workshop camp creative. Over the course of three days, I'll give you everything you need to banish those fears over podcasting technology, platforms, and privacy issues, and start seeing your students thrive with creative podcasting projects instead. 
You'll get my favorite models and listening activities for helping students connect to podcasts before they create their own, done-for-you curriculum for launching your first project, and the easiest tools and platforms for recording and sharing student work in a safe way. Just as in Camp Creative's past, each day's training, packed with resources and tips, will arrive in your inbox, ready for you to explore when you have time. Almost 5,000 educators have already signed up for this free Creative Summer program. You'll find the link to join them over on my website at nowsparkcreativity.com. I hope to see you there. My friends, Marie and I feel so deeply about how like hard the turnover in teaching is going to be this year already, mm-hmm. much less the less talked about fact that this was already a problem for new teachers before the pandemic. I mean, we really need, I mean, that's where I learned the most was when I was the most single, the most unattached and the most eager to be in the game. I had my own classroom finally. And then I got onto some teams where, you know, vet teachers would be like, like they would laugh at me and they would say, whatever. And then kind of sent me back off to my own room by myself. And like call me cute. And I was like, that. Uh, thank oh, you. Question okay. mark. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I need, and then as a vet, like I have to, ca- I have to catch myself too. So, you know, our new teachers are going to come with an enthusiasm that might be delightfully silly sometimes, but it's also going to be coming from a really caring place and thoughtful place too. So. That's and it's going to have a perspective that I just, straight up don't have anymore. I just, I'm, I am not a new teacher anymore and I never will be again. So I cannot begin to say that I've got that kind of energy and perspective. Like, no, I need that from somewhere else because I will never have it again. <laughs> like, that's it. I'm out. And, and I think that being able to balance, you know, those kinds of suggestions with, does this fit with our big vision? Yes. Is right. And that, and that's the way to keep it the conversation moving and still relatively efficient is okay. So we have these ideas on the table, which one or two are going to move us closer to our goal of vertically aligning our writing curriculum, you know, yeah. what's going to, you know, and, and that's really where it all comes back to, I think having a really solid goal and that's hard to do too. Because- well, and sometimes that goal comes directly from your superiors, right. Or from your supervisors, it comes from yeah. administration. And sometimes like Amanda said, it's just, meet with your team and you're like, okay. And then you have to figure it out on your own, right? Like it depends on where that goal comes from. And then it's like further niching down and articulating that goal. So when I know what I've seen work really poorly. Okay. What have you seen work really poorly? (laughs) Um, I think some of it we already leaned into when I was kind of giving opposites in the earlier section, but the know-it-all situation. Sure, sure. We've we've been doing To Kill a Mockingbird for 35 years. Like what honestly could you bring to this meeting? And I was like, well, well, why are you teaching it? And no one could give me an answer. You know, like that was Because we've always done it. It's the because we've always done it response. And it doesn't have to be Mockingbird. It can be this grammar lesson or or book, this. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yes. The, the shut, shutting down of any new suggestion or idea. And that's really just an unhealthy attitude at school, period. Whether you're in a PLC or you're just down the hall. I mean, yeah. someone comes at you with a question or a suggestion. Um, we need to be receptive to that for a positive and like healthy school climate. Um, so that, that's been a real, a real no, no. Um, I've seen in PLCs, things go really poorly when, the social aspect is kind of messed up. Um, so sure. like, 
like very close best friends are on the team and there's there's dra- personal drama that <laughs> infiltrates the you know the I only laugh because I'm generally somehow related to the personal drama. <laughs> um like no. I've said something and I didn't even know it or I've or I knew it and I shouldn't have said it or yes it, it can get really, really hard. And, and I think the thing is too, sometimes just the negative attitudes, the defeatist attitudes that I don't even want to imagine the difficulty of hearing this from us right now. <laughs> I was just going to say, no matter how well, how warranted, because I'm, uh, I am, I am bitter Betty at least three days a week right now. Like but you know how badly it spreads. I do. I do. Well, and this takes me back to what we were talking about in our teacher uh, social media episode a few episodes ago, like talking about teacher quit talk, that hashtag. I get it better than I think some people realize. Like I do. I'm, I'm with you guys. I know Amanda's not in the classroom right now, but like my ass is in front of kids every day. Not my ass, my face, but I am there. Let's not get that sound bite round. Okay. Let's not put me on the news for that one, people. Well, okay. <laughs> Make that one clear. No, I'm there in the classroom with kids, just like our other classroom teaching colleagues. I get it. I also know for my own sake and my own mental health, I have to put these things in a box sometimes because I'm not looking to leave this profession. And if I were looking to leave this profession, I'm not looking to set the rest of it on fire right. because I believe in it. So, and also this is still your daily life. So like, let's see what we can do to make your professional daily experiences better. And coming back to, I I used to say to some of my friends at school, and this is, I'm going to be real vulnerable here for a little bit, but I I just said, I show my ass to people. So (laughs) I think you're going to be good That's your own to kids. In fact, Good. clean here my I when I I'm speaking of teaching I just like I'm out of words I we have to record probably before I teach because now I've just talked all day and I like I'm saying weird things so sorry but listeners it's really entertaining I just okay. want to keep our clean status on iTunes we don't want to get you know I'll stop saying it <laughs> no I was just gonna say you know I, I haven't talked a lot and I don't feel like I need to justify my resignation so we're, we're about a year out right mm-hmm. from I resigned at the end of May in 2021 and we did an episode a little bit about that but reflecting back and you know looking at some I journaled a little bit about this the other day and I really think that probably 75% of what fueled that was the poor chemistry amongst teachers in my department. Sure. And it breaks my heart. But like for me, like I am the kind of person that thrives on the energy of building a better place for students. And when I can, I can see and I can feel that the direction a group of people is headed is toward, uh, floating down the river as gently as possible without making any waves and trying to just survive. Um, I knew for me and from a cultural, like school culture standpoint, that's not where I wanted to be. And so everyone has different reasons for what they do. I, I just knew that my mark was going to be, I was going to be on a hamster wheel, right. Of like pushing and pushing and pushing. And I knew that I was going to make a mark on my students and I was going to help them. But when people and teams are not an alignment, right? So this is what we're talking about is collaboration. For me, my goals for collaboration probably came off as very, uh, 
a lot. It was probably a lot. Um, but, but what I think that I think Marie and I want to share here with you is that when we, and we'll, we'll talk about the opposite here, like the lone wolf situation, when we work on teams and when we can vertically align, we're moving our kids forward. And that's what I always wanted to. And I never had a problem with a teacher. I never had issues with anybody. As long as I knew their heart was in it for kids. The minute I knew someone was there just to show up, I I had a really hard time collaborating with that person because, right? Because I did. And so I don't know. I think that that's just, I I would say here for this episode, for the sake of collaboration, I I think the vision, even if we had a bad day, talk about your bad day, but we have got to be the place professionally that keeps our eyes on how we're going to change the system for kids and how we're going to show up every day to make education what we dreamed about when we were kids or what we dreamed about when we were in school and um, not in like the fonts and borders way, but in the... <laughs> but that part is fun. <laughs> I mean, it's super fun. But uh, for me, even that's only fun when the, the, ed- yes. the academic side is working. Yes, um, I agree. When the academic side is broken. We have to look at ourselves as a group because we are a collective. And how depressing is it to think I'm working my butt off, but when I hand my kids off to X teacher and Y teacher next year shoulder shrug, like what happens? Um, so it's a, it's a serious topic. It's a, I don't know for me, maybe I get a little too serious about it. Um, but this is my, well, no, it comes from your experience though. Like those sorts of, those sorts of gut reactions come from the gut. Like they come from also experiencing disappointment and experiencing frustration and experiencing those things. And then it makes you wary before you jump into partnership or you jump into a team which I think is smart. I mean, that, that you mentioned the idea of being a lone wolf. And I know our episode is like collaboration versus being a lone wolf. At the very beginning, Amanda was talking about that tendency that many of us have or have had, I know I have, to just shut our door and keep our head down and keep moving is what it's, it's a surefire recipe for burnout. Yeah. It's a surefire recipe for burnout in a way that's really hard to come back from. Especially if you're a new teacher. Well, because if you don't have others to lean on, and you don't have to be best friends with your team at all, but if you don't have others to lean on for like a lesson plan, because life happens and you're going to get sick or your kids are going to get sick or you are going to have your car break down or something is going to keep you from getting to school, right? To be able to have that team to lean on, will will make or break your day. And then going for I mean, it's just a whole like trickle down effect of being able to lean on somebody to say, Hey, I'm out today. Can you please throw something at my sub? And that person to be able to say, Yeah, totally here. Got you. Don't worry about it. That to me is a piece of the ideal. We cannot sustain this profession with the attitude of just go to your room and do your own thing. Yeah. And, and as I think that sometimes we mix that idea up with teachers deserve autonomy and to make all their own decisions. And while different things, yeah, I completely agree. And and I I don't want to be mixed up with that thought that, you know, teachers should be trusted. (laughs) Teachers should absolutely be trusted to make their own decisions. Um, But when there are four teachers teaching English 10, all doing something completely different because they've shut their door and they're doing their own thing. I want you to tell me how that's good for kids. Well, and where's the equity in that? If we're going to really, really look at this through a critical lens, like where's the equity in the education that those four different classes, even if it's just a single section in each teacher's classroom, 
where's the equity in what they're getting? How do you know that they're even being assessed the same with the same skill sets and the same content? Like you don't know that because it's not happening. So that's also a very real consequence of lone wolf, like solely lone wolf syndrome is that the equity in their education is uh, gone. It's gone. And and that healthy accountability, we don't mean, we don't need you to be watched over like a hawk or untrusted, but sure. accountability to your own blind spots. You know, I know we all have, we don't like to admit it. I think teachers are very proud, proud people and we're very good at what we do and we don't like to be watched or monitored constantly, but we do have blind spots. And I think having teammates that can help catch you on that is something that I would much rather than a supervisor. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm laughing because I'm getting to a point in my career where I'm like, can somebody please watch me? Like, can somebody please, please give me some constructive feedback because I, I need it. Like I, a, I need the affirmation that I'm doing a good job. And like, I guess the absence of being told that I'm doing a bad job is like that, but I'm like, no, I need praise. Like I'm a, I'm a type A. I'm a first ch- firstborn child. I'm going to need some help there. <laughs> it, but it's it's true, and 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 like it all, you know that that and you know I think about our new teachers and just our subject matter, mm-hmm. um, the way that we're interpreting texts, the ways that we're approaching. Um, oh, specifically for ELA. Yes, yes, yes. You know, specifically for ELA. You know, I think that there are a lot of blind spots that we have in different genres, areas, lenses, and all of that. And I think it's just really, you know, I would say. Teachers listening, I beg you to put aside your annoyance and take a deep breath and try to give this a shot. Try to see how this is worth it. And if you're a supervisor in charge of people, I beg you to prioritize creating a culture in your department, your building that makes this something that people look forward to. That's on you. And breaking up the toxicity, breaking up the problematic relationships that you know exist. Um, don't leave that to us as well. Uh, I know that's definitely me coming from experience. It was like, okay, is whatever. I'm not even going to go there. Um, but it's true. It's really, it's really on all of us to check our attitudes and then check our priorities and really think about what's best for the future of the students at our school. So let's take this time then to talk through what does the ideal collaborative work situation model, whatever you want to call it, what does that look like? Like, what is, what is that? Do you want to go first? Sure. I think I go back to my, my beginning statement, which is vertically aligned curriculum. Okay. I think ultimately the goal for me, if I was department chair, which I'm not, and I don't know that I would apply to be at this stage in my life, maybe someday I've always wanted to be a department chair, but TBH, I hate parents. So I know that the department positions around here are way more administrative than they are curricular. So interesting. Um, it is really interesting. But if it was like my job was just to be in charge of English teachers and evaluating them and working on curriculum, that would be like my dream job. So I'm on the lookout. Illinois, let me know. Call me. Um, <laughs> but I think that's where I would start. Like an ideal situation would be we have this goal where, and I know Marie, you've done this at your department is mm-hmm. I want to, and I've done this in some of my trainings when I've worked with some schools, let's envision a graduate of 2020, blah, blah, blah. What does a wildcat look like? What does a badger look like? What does our, you know, our ideal graduate look like in terms of what they've experienced? I was going to say in terms of their experience. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. What what will we be responsible for collectively providing this 
student, right? Student X um, in their experience with us. And, and we, and that's whether the student starts at ESL and then ends in AP lit, or if the student comes in at honors and ends at uh, tech campus or wherever they go, wherever the trajectory and the line and however they wiggle around, I want us to know where we want our kids to be. Mm-hmm. And then for me, it's, it's aligning assessments. I mean, assessments need to be they need to be the same. <laughs> I don't understand how everyone can give different ones. I just don't understand it. Well, I mean, they can when it's not aligned. Like, I mean, that's it. They can, just, they can when it's not collaborative. They can't. Well, okay. So, and I think this actually leads me to something I meant to say earlier. Collaboration is not just a group sharing moment. Oh my that's God. not collaborating. It starts with sharing and then it goes with work moving forward that is done together or that is done in a team sense. So I just have to say that at first. That's just sharing and then going back and closing your door. So that's just lone wolves who share. (laughs) That's not collaboration. That's not collaboration. (laughs) No, I've built out this ideal curriculum map. I called it for Anytown High School. I think I showed it to you a little bit earlier. I did a PD with an amazing school in Nevada who's trying to do this work. So shout out to Reed High School. Um, you guys are amazing. And they they started this work. They started by having an expert come in mm-hmm. that's outside of the school and saying, hey, what's our mission? Where are we headed? And we started with aligning essential questions. And then we went straight to assessments. And they're working on getting all of that horizontally within their teams first. But at the same time, they know, okay, what's happening above me? What's happening behind me? Where should students be? And like, it's a long process and one that's never over. Because well, no, it has to keep moving and evolving. Yeah. But that's, but that to me, I just described something fun. So I know <laughs> that's right. awesome to me and such a blast. It is. I mean, because we've been doing a lot of the same type of work in my own department, where if you're newer to the podcast, I have been at the same school since I started teaching, like with a couple of stints here and there, but like, I keep coming back to the same school. So I've been here for a long time. And we've had like entire, our entire calendar or the way that our schedule works. We went from semesters to quarters six years ago. And like the ripple effects of that are starting to finally settle down to the point where like we now need to realign vertically because everything just got so blown up. We need to realign our curriculum. And it is a long process, especially when it's like, okay, great. Let's start meeting. Like now everybody go teach the full day. You know, so like it's definitely a start, stop, start, stop, start, stop kind of a process, but it's so rewarding once we start to see it kind of like working. And this leads me to my ideal collaboration. I I am for as much as I talk about working with other people at my heart of hearts, I am a lone wolf in that I like to figure it out. I like to solve the problem. I definitely get my energy like a true extrovert from others and from talking things out. But then like, I want to get it done on my timeline. So that doesn't always lend itself very well to a team. It is Amanda's nodding because she knows that I'll like, send her voice. I'll I'll send you voice memos when it's like the middle of the night for you. And it's like, there's no way you're going to answer that. What was I doing? Um, so I would say that my ideal situation is one that I, I have, and I'm going to be back on this team next year, which is cool. I wasn't on this team this year, where basically we have certain like uh, aligned assessments. We have certain writing assessments, certain types of reading assessments, because we don't all necessarily do the same text. 
but the skills themselves are assessed in the same ways. And then it is left up to us as the individuals to have autonomy over all of the rest of it. We absolutely share because we're also friends and colleagues. Like we share in a very natural and open way, a lot of what we do in our classrooms anyways, we bounce things off of each other. But like, if you look at a true model for team collaboration, it's aligned assessments, which I w- I'm hoping we will get to like a further more lock in step with assessments. And then however you get there is how you get there. Because the way that you teach Amanda is not going to necessarily ring true to exactly the way that I would deliver something and vice versa, right? So that for me is the ideal situation. I can still be me, let my freak flag fly and like figure it all out, but know that we're all getting to the same place because then we all have the same rubric. And then if somebody gets moved from my classroom to somebody else's classroom, at least there's not that big of a difference. They're still going to be able to be put into place. I think my only caveat, which maybe this is also true for you, you just didn't say it, is that I would also expect, expect, I'm talking like I'm your boss. I would love to be that person. But I think- Can I be my boss? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> um, wait, no, we're already each other's bosses. Um, I think that that plus EQ, I would want the EQ to also be aligned. Oh, yes, yes, okay. yes. Course, then, course essential questions are aligned. We have a pool of the same texts. We just all kind of choose what we're going to awesome. use depending on the kids in front of us. And then my only other caveat would be, and this is mostly for newer teachers, I'd say, or teachers who just struggle in this area, but like a generally agreed upon timeline and pacing. I can remember being on teams where we had like, there was the straggler and that was the teacher who came like, well, you didn't get to this. Yes. And they're like, and they're like five days behind the rest of us. And it's like, Oh my word. And like, and then by the end of the year, like they, they have to finish the last unit in like two days. And it's like, come on. Um, so I, that's I, funny I, because we're all on completely, like we have the same essential question that's like overarching and generally the same unit essential questions as well. Same assessments somewhere within there, but like I might do unit one last, like what we've called unit one, just depending on how we sequence it, depending on which text I use, depending, depending, depending. But on that team that I'm talking about, we're all seasoned. So it's like, we don't even think about it. It's just, but when you said that, I was like, oh yeah, you're totally right. Like, and so our ninth grade, this is our 10th grade team that I'm going to be part of again next year, which I'm pumped. Our ninth grade team is amazingly lock in step and that's how they work. They're able to say, hey, will you go make the copies for Thursday and I'll make the ones for Friday. But that's also just how they've planned it all together. Like it's really cool how they're able to do that. I was on that 10th grade team and I was like, "Ah, I'm going to do the exact same assessments as you guys. I don't know that I can do everything. (laughs) Like I won't keep up. I'm the straggler. That's you. That's me. I'm the straggler. Well, listen, I know. Yes, that's why you probably don't want to be my boss. Also, my general disdain for authority, but that's a podcast for another day. Um, Amanda, I think it is time for us to give our friends at home some parting remarks. Okay. My parting remarks are this. I'm going to loop it back to what we said at the beginning. Please, please, please let this be a place, this podcast episode and this podcast in general, where you can find inspiration, where you can feel heard, where you can hear new ideas and where you can then take it beyond to grow, to like help yourself have those conversations, to get your gears turning, to get you out of a spot where you feel stuck, if that's where you're at, or to just kind of like lend you maybe some of the perspective that you needed to move past this one sticking point. That is my, that is where I'm at. 
And my parting remarks are a little bit, I don't know. This episode surprised me with how I feel so emotional about this topic and just a lot of different capacities. I would say my parting remark is really take stock of the health of your department. And in doing so, consider the longevity of your experience there. Is this a place that you're going to be for the long haul? If so, what is your role in moving your department toward something cohesive, productive, excited, and collaborative? What is your role? Are you currently shutting the door and pretending like it's just you know, going to go away? Um, are you in a position where you can make some changes? I just would really encourage you to reflect because I don't know that just sucking it up, if this matters to you and you're anything like me, sucking it up won't get you very far. And it's a reality though, right? Like my life was going downhill um, in this regard. Your daily experience was not, it was more bad than good. And it made you, and you, you were in a position where, like you were in a position that you were able to say, you know what, I need to step away for the good of myself and my family and for these kids. A hundred percent. And like, and that's okay. Right. Um, and, and I say that to you, to you listeners as well. I am always on the lookout for the next thing, you know, and what's next. I have not closed my door to anything else, but I think the collaborative relationships within your department, if you don't have a pulse on what that realistically looks like for your future and how you feel about that, it's something worth taking stock in. And yeah, just look at it. Yeah. Cause yeah. we also, we also are very empathetic to the like, Oh my God, we, we don't all have, the, the privilege of being able to step, be, oh my gosh, I can't talk, of being able to step back like that. Not everybody can, after taking stock, take action, but at least that taking stock will affirm for yourself what you see and what you hear and what you feel so that you can acknowledge it because that's a big thing. And maybe that's reaching out to Marie and I and saying, yeah. hey, can we do curriculum rehab together as a department? Or maybe that's reaching out to me and asking to do some coaching or, you know, to whatever that maybe that maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's bringing somebody in. I mean, I'm working with two teachers at the moment who are the only person in their department. They're, right. There's that too. Because they literally have no one to collaborate with. And, you know, that's, that's the thing is like figure out whether it's your school or other people, uh, where is that energy going to come help you stay where you want to be for the long haul, because we want teachers to stay. We want teachers to be happy and thriving and crushing it and making a difference. But maybe what you're missing is a super collaborative environment. And so we'd love to be part of that solution. So take a step back, look at it this summer and don't be so hard on yourself. You know, maybe it's the environment that's more of the struggle or maybe the environment's what's making you putting, you know, keeping you where you are and you're on fire about it and celebrate that, share about that. That's amazing. And if you need a quick fix, or if you just had a rough day, I highly encourage you to check out the episode that we did that I talked about earlier, our teacher social media one, because I talk about, I was re-listening to this episode the other day. I talk about some teacher comedians that might make you pee your pants laughing. So just prepare yourself for that. Prepare your pants. Yes. Uh, So funny because it's that inside shop talk. Well, friends, sorry. Oh, I was just going to embarrassingly admit it doesn't take very much for me anymore to pee my pants laughing. It's just, just well, yeah, I mean, same, but that's just like hashtag motherhood. <laughs> <laughs> like no trampolines for me. Anyways, before this goes further than it needs to friends, this is the beginning of a series 
on collaboration, what collaboration looks like in the classroom, what it looks like on a campus, what it looks like in just different avenues. And so make sure that you stay tuned for our coming episodes. And we cannot wait to keep talking about it because as you can tell, this is an extra long episode. We have a lot to say. Thank you, friends, for listening. And we will be right back at you this time next week. Bye. Thanks again for listening to Brave New Teaching. We'd love to keep the conversation going over on Instagram. And while you're there, check out the links in our bio for the most up-to-date events going on in the Brave New Teaching community. Thanks for being here and have a great week at school. 